Women in Business, are you looking for a professional yet fun event to attend? The 8th Annual Lakeside Conference will be held on February 29th in Southeast Wisconsin, about an hour from Milwaukee and Chicago. Get the training, resources, and connections you need to catapult your business into more sales, smoother operations, and a more aligned and organized plan. The women that attend are high-caliber, driven business owners, speakers, and leaders in their communities and industries. We would love to add your name to the list and meet you in person at the Lakeside Conference. See all the details at womensbusinessworkshop.com slash lakesideconference. Welcome to the Women's Business Workshop podcast. Today we have Angie Knoll with us on the podcast, and we're very excited to be talking about different financial things with your business. Angie is the founder of Reconciled Solutions, which offers bookkeeping and accounting support to high-achieving professional service business owners like yourselves. She is a profit-first professional at the mastery level, a Fix This Next certified advisor, a certified pumpkin plan advisor, online pro advisor, and president elect to NABO Chicago. She thrives on helping business owners run the best version of the business they imagined as they advance towards profit acceleration, operational efficiency, and work-life sustainability. For Angie, sustainability means managing a flourishing business in coordination with being keeper of the calendar for a home with three kids, two pets, and one sweet husband. Thanks for being on the show today, Angie. I'm happy to be here, Robin. Thank you. And I also have three kids, two pets, and a sweet husband. <laughs> what are your two pets? I did see one of them. Was that a yes. Labradoodle? Yes, he's a golden doodle. He's a big boy. He's about 80 pounds. And then we have a little cat that is a rescue cat. We don't actually know how old she is. And, you know, she's she sleeps 23 hours of the 24. Oh. <laughs> How do your cat and dog get along? Oh, nothing bothers the cat. She's just so busy sleeping that nothing could interrupt her. I have, we have a boxer and then we have a one-year-old, I guess, cat. I still see her as a kitten, but the cat would be fine here by herself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and our, dog is, our dog is young enough. She still just wants to play with her all the time. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not having it. <laughs> and then are your kids little kids, young adults? Oh, my kids are growing up and they're leaving the household. And it's just so hard for me. It's been a big shift this year as my two oldest have are both at university studying and my youngest is a son. He's a freshman in high school and he's kind of silent and teenagery. So it's been very quiet in my household. And it's been a whole thing for my husband and I to adjust to this new stage of our life. It really is an adjustment. We're the same one high schooler and two college age. Have you run your business the whole time, like throughout their childhood? Yes, I um, started my business because I was tired of being in corporate America. We hear hear this often, don't we? Mm -hmm. Tired of being in corporate America. I was traveling a lot. Back in those days, I was moving like soda machines out of the way to get to the plug-in for my breast pump. It was miserable. I was on an in-flight Mag I was reading an in-flight magazine and I read about daily money management, which is 
bookkeeping and accounting for people's personal finances. And there happened to be a conference coming to Chicago. And so I signed up for the conference. I asked my husband if I could quit the day job once I got two clients. And I got that very quickly because I do have a sales background. And so I started the business and um, that's the way it started. Um, 17 years later, it's it's definitely had some different twists and turns. I'm very happy with where we're at. That's great. That's a, similar to my story. And it's interesting to watch the evolution of the way your kids are with your business. When you're home with young kids, trying to balance, when am I going to have a Zoom call? Mm-hmm. When, you know, what, what time do I have to stop so I can pick them up at school? All the way to now having young adults where I tell them, I'm going to be recording, you know what to do. And they turn <laughs> off their Wi-Fi. They know not to play with the dog loud or, you know, it's like they just, it's just interesting watching the evolution of balancing the home life with kids and running a business as they get older. Yeah. And I certainly feel like for somebody who's been in business for 17 years, I mean, there was just so many things I could have done better. So that's one of my advocating calls today is to make it easier for working entrepreneur moms to get it going without so much pain and misery. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I agree. So your topic of finances. Uh, I have a lot of small business owners that that feels foreign or scary to them. For you, is that something that you've always felt comfortable with? Yes. So my superpower would be that I can see the big picture and break it down into smaller pieces. And let me tell you, when you're running a business, that is definitely a superpower because I know what I want it to look like for my customers. Now, what do I need to do to get to that? And especially as my team grows and the business expands, it's not me anymore, right? I'm trying to work myself out of a job. And so what does that look like? What secret sauce do I have in my brain that needs to be shared with my team members so that they can support our clients better? I do hear a lot of small business owners that they think they should and I'm doing should in quotes, should know how to do this. There's shame around the fact that they don't know what a P&L statement is, or they don't, they don't know what they're supposed to know, which is why you hire people like yourself to take over for that. But just a reminder to anyone listening, there's nothing that you're supposed to know just naturally when you're starting a small business. That's what experts are for. That's what research is for. So what kind of other mindset issues do you see with Uh, female entrepreneurs specifically when it comes to their business finances? I think shooting all over yourself is a really big deal and it really prevents us from doing what we do best. So if it's, if it's a limiting mindset, it's that I'm not good with money and I'm never going to be good with money or I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. I have to tell you, Robin, that My kids knew everything they needed to know about math and finance by the time they were like in sixth grade. It's only addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. And the other one that I'm really um, a proponent of is understanding um, percentages and how to work with percentages. So this isn't um, geometry. It's not algebra. It's not statistics. It's really basic level math 
that we use to set up our personal financials and our business financials very accurately. So I think that it's one of the biggest mistakes or limiting beliefs that women entrepreneurs specifically have is that they're not allowing themselves the ability to learn and be successful when it comes to money and finances. And then there's side effects to that, or there's roadblocks to that. So what's a roadblock to, I'm not good with money, I never will be? Well, it's that I don't keep up on my finances and it gets all messy and behind, right? Well, you know what? You can't tell how your business is doing if your finances are all backed up and behind and and you only have six months ago to look at. You need to keep those up and current and accurate. And speaking of current and accurate, Let's talk about KPIs and having a dashboard. What are the critical things that you need to be measuring in your business to know that the business is running well, to know that you have runway so that a few months from now that you're you're still going to be producing revenue. So if it's recurring revenue, you know, is there new clients um, coming into the pipeline to create those recurring revenues or are you seeing a shortage in new opportunities? And you know that that's going to result in a dry spell down the road. And how are you going to handle that? I always say in your head doesn't count. <laughs> and that's where so many entrepreneurs keep that data, whether it's who's your ideal client or what's your marketing plan? Oh, it's in my head. And that doesn't count because like you said, you're not seeing real time data on what's happening in your business. And we measure this against the fact that we're very intuitive. Women are very intuitive by nature. You know, we're used to being caregivers for our spouses, for our families, for our parents. And, and that's kind of the way we roll. And that intuitiveness is good, but it has to be backed up by numbers when it comes to business. And the reason for that is because we have to make a living. We have to pay ourselves and we have to be able to say, okay, that is actually what's happening. Happening. I can validate the, these numbers um, and validate my gut feeling against the numbers. Agreed. And there's a lot of denial. I, if I don't look. Oh, then, then it isn't really happening, right? <laughs> There's money in my account, so I must be doing okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I host an accountability group, and that is a common goal that people are asking for accountability on is keeping up with their finances. I need to enter my invoices. I need to follow up with unpaid clients. It's a constant. And one of our members recently hired out for it. And I am one of her clients. So I see the emails being sent by the provider she hired saying, don't forget you have this invoice coming through or, I mean, it's mm-hmm. a, a different experience and she gets to release it. It's off her shoulders. She doesn't have to think about it. because it's really hard to make a living if you haven't charged somebody, you know, that, that's really hard. So having a frictionless system around um, sending out your invoices, around collecting against those invoices is really, really powerful because we want our clients to 
learn from what we're offering them, what our um, superpower is, not from being frustrated by the bill or that the bill hasn't come or that the invoicing isn't clear. And I think that these are the most common problems with not collecting money. So it's not that there's a bunch of crappy people out there in the world that are just trying to short us. It's that maybe the contact person has changed and you sent it to the wrong person, or maybe the invoice isn't very clear. And so what happens when somebody receives a invoice that isn't very clear is they say, oh, I'll set that aside and look at it later when I have more time. And guess what? We never, never have more time. We're always hustling. So we don't get to look at it. The statistics show that if you, uh, the longer you wait to collect, the li less likely it is that you are going to collect. So making your invoice accurate and timely the first time around is going to be something that will serve you in the future so powerfully. So that's just really basic common organization. It's applying organization tactics to your financials, which I find a lot of dealing with our financials is purely organizationally based, more so than having to have some complex strategy about how you mm -hmm. want to do it. It's really yeah. um, a sense of organization and process. Our clients, we're selecting clients that have integrity, that are honest, that are good people. And they're not ditching the invoice on purpose. They probably feel terrible if they find out like, oh my gosh, I have a, I have a balance. I'm so sorry. I thought you charged it already. Or I mm -hmm. didn't, you know, it ended up in spam. So they're just as happy for you to contact them and keep up with. But if you're not keeping track of your financials regularly, you don't even know that the person hasn't paid you yet. Yeah. And that's really scary because you can't, you can't get out of debt faster if you haven't even done the billing. So right. <laughs> it's just right. so important to figure that out and make it easy for our clients to do business with us because we want them to focus on how great we are at our jobs and not have to spend time thinking about paying us. And it's okay to make money. I think that's another issue with the financials and the mindset that it's okay to be a business owner and make a good, good living. And I see, I don't know if you ever see, there's a meme that goes around about, you know, the prices going up and how with a small business, they're not trying to gouge you. They're not trying to, they're barely making a profit. And it's like, that's noble. Like, oh, you're a small business. You're supposed to not really make a big profit that you're, you know, don't worry, we're not gouging you. And I'm not saying people should um, gouge their clients, of course, but it's okay to make a good living as a small business owner that like, there's no one saying, I think you should earn less than if you did that same exact physical therapy position for a hospital, you should make less if you run your own business. Well, <laughs> that is one of the requirements of the IRS is that we need to look at if I were to go out and get that job in the open market, how much would I be paid for it? So shorting yourself is just a way of not valuing yourself. Why do we think we're not worthy to make money? And 
I wouldn't say just enough money to get by, but enough money to flourish. I mean, aren't we happy when our friend gets to go to Europe on a three-week vacation with her family? I mean, that's something to that that person has worked very hard to get to that place. Mm-hmm. And so we should be happy for them. And why can't we have that for ourselves? I mean, I think money tends to be a dirty word. Um, I speak a lot about profitability and making profit permanent in your business. And one of the things that's really funny is I'm a part of this profit first community And the Profit First community, we actually had troubles on Facebook because we have a closed group there where we're asking each other questions about clients and trying to get feedback. And Facebook didn't like that we were using the word profit so much. They thought we were trying to rip people off. And it's just so funny to me because there's such a negative connotation with making not only a a living, you know, a get by living, but making a life that's full of wealth and energy and things that we want and dream about. Yeah. And why do we think it's okay for people who run large corporations to make large amounts of money, but not the woman that lives next door? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm all for setting us up for permanent profitability. And how do we do that? (laughs) I love it. It's a great, great phrase, permanent profitability. So you mentioned Mm -hmm. Profit First. And for anyone who hasn't heard of Profit First, can you give just a little rundown of of what that is? Mm -hmm. So it's a very common sense approach to managing your cash flow, which cash flow, I would say, is the number one concern for small business owners. It's always measuring how much is coming in against how much is going out and making sure that that relationship works. So it's just um, a mindset process, different way to think about it. It's kind of like grandma's envelope system where back in the day she might have um, gotten the paycheck and then split the amount of the paycheck multiple ways. So some to pay for the mortgage and some to pay for the groceries and some to spend on entertainment. So we apply that same concept in Profit First using bank accounts. So we have an income account where all revenue from the business comes in. All revenue streams are coming into one account and we let that money sit and accumulate in that bank account. And then mm, about twice a month, we transfer to other bank accounts based on percentage and based on purpose. So we would have a bank account for materials and contractors expense, and we would transfer some of the money there. We would transfer some of the money to an operational expense account, and then you would go ahead and pay your occupancy expenses and your admin expenses, okay? And then there's a profit account that's for for us to either... Um, take out and go on that trip to Europe or to potentially pay off debt or to reinvest in the business. There's the owner's pay account, which is what we live on on a day-to-day basis to make sure our needs are met so that we're not fearful and you know we're living in a safe place and we've got food on our table. 
And then there's tax because everybody has to pay tax, especially if you're profitable, you have to pay tax on that. What I love about it, if I'm understanding it correctly, is that I see a lot of business owners that whatever the profit happens to be that month is what they pay themselves versus mm -hmm. that system is this is what you're being paid. And then the extra is the profit of what you want to do with that. But then that way you are assuring yourself, assuming you have consistent revenue that you are not working for free. So if you collected 10,000 and 10,000 is sitting in your income account for the past two weeks, then you would transfer 50% of that into owner's pay. So you would get $5,000. Now, if you only collected 5,000 in that two week window, then you'd only be transferring 2,500 because it's all based on cash. It's based on what the business can afford and not a penny more. We're mm -hmm. just using the cash that's come into the business. And so um, we're doing it by percentages and, and that sets us up for a common trend. And I, I just, I find that the organization piece of it is so powerful that not fretting piece of it so you can sleep at night so that you know that for every dollar it has a place in your business and a purpose and that you're going to spend it in the right way. And that's in comparison to being like, oh yeah, I forgot I have to pay for that insurance expense. You know, that's maybe something that only comes up once a year or once a quarter, something like that. Um, and you forget that that auto draft is coming out <laughs> of your account and just knowing that everything is accumulated in an organized way then allows for the expenses and the money to be supported and have backing behind it. Now, if someone's listening and they're feeling overwhelmed by all of that, is that something you and your company, you set up for them that you, if that's something yeah. is that mm -hmm. probably for some people might be like, I don't, that just, I can't figure all that out. That's something when they work with you, you're helping put all that in place. Yeah. So absolutely. We do do profit first coaching and training and setup and things of that nature. The first step I would say to that is really understanding your financials, which is what I'm going to be talking about at the upcoming um, conference. And I'm just going through the story that our financials are trying to tell us and, and making sure that we understand all of those good things. Because as a business owner, we have a fiscal responsibility to understand the basic pieces of how our business is operating and how we're going to be profitable. I agree. And I'm, I'm super excited for you to be at the conference. And for those of you who are listening and thinking, yes, I've been in denial. I'm, I know my accountant makes me print those, but I don't really know what they are. Angie's breakout session would be a great one to select so that you can be learning more about the different statements and not just what they are, but how that reflects on your business activity. Correct. Yeah, so we're going to be looking at um, the different ways that you make money and then measuring it against the different ways that you um, have to spend money to support that income. So we'll look at the different revenue streams and what your expenses are against that revenue stream so that you can get a gross profit. We'll be talking through what is a cost of goods sold or a cost of services in comparison to an operational expense. 
And, you know, the big thing, well, with Profit First is that most of the money that is in our business is used to support ourselves. So if you think of Profit First and the different bank accounts that we're asking you to open up, there's five different bank accounts. And three of the five are to support the comfort of the owner. That's owner's pay and tax and profit. Those three accounts are utilized um, to pay the owner for the risk of being a business owner. And that in itself is super powerful because, um, because we don't put ourselves first, right? What business school may have taught us or, you know, when we go to school, they may have taught us that um, our income less our expenses is going to equal our profit. But at profit first, we're flipping that, right? We're saying um, it's going to be our income less our profit. And from there, then we're going to pay the expenses that we have in the business. So we're putting ourselves in first position. Oh, I think so many women need to hear that. <laughs> what I love about that process is that it's all decided for you then. And you don't have to yeah. make that decision every time of how much am I taking out? Is it okay for me to take this out for this thing or this conference or this you know, splurge or whatever it is? Because mm -hmm. so much of that is put in place and you don't have to think about it as much as if you're winging it every month with your financials. Yeah, exactly. It's so freeing. And to me, that is, that is sexy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. More women need that where they are. There's no apology for paying yourself and paying yes. yourself a good wage. So mm -hmm. if our listeners wanted to, so we're going to do two more things. I'm going to have Angie tell you guys where you can find her and where you can find more information. And then I'm also going to have you give them one action step, one mini thing that they could do before they come hear you talk at the conference. Um, but where in the meantime, where can they find you and learn more about you? Probably LinkedIn or our webpage are the best. So my website will be in the show notes and I'll give you my LinkedIn profile too. We're very active in those two locations. We have Robin, a killer newsletter that just goes out once a month and it is fabulous. We get comments on it all the time. We talk about very basic structural things that you can do in your business to um, be mindful and to set yourself up for permanent profitability. So I would encourage people to look at that. Um, there's resources there. You can get a few chapters. We can, uh, chapters of Profit First for free. There's also a Profit First free assessment you can sign up for on my website. So lots of different stuff there. Sure. Is that um, newsletter easy to find on your homepage or do you want to send a second link to me for that? Why don't I send a second link? So you've got the link for the newsletter. Um, yeah, I think that would be super helpful. Okay. And then if someone had to take one, one little action step, if they are going to come see you at the conference, is there anything they should do or prepare for your session? Yeah. So I think one thing that we need to know is that our businesses are taxed on the net income. So it's to take a look at that profit and loss and realize that there's three major sections there. One is for income, right? So we're looking at the income that we've garnered from our business. The second is for the cost of goods or cost of services. 
And when you subtract the income from the cost of goods or cost of services, you're left with the gross profit. And from the gross profit, that's where you get to pay yourself. Okay. So that's where you would get to pay yourself. It also lists out all your general and administrative expenses. And what's left over at the end of the day is your net income. And that net income is what is taxed. So what I would say is just to make sure that if you look at your financials, everything is in the right section, right? Making sure that it's in those three major groupings and it identifies itself properly. I do have a couple of tips though, if you're interested in um, ways that I see that women business owners maybe spend too much. Can I share some of those? Of course, please. All right. So here's a few ones that I have seen in my years of doing business. One is that we tend to throw money at the wall and see if it sticks when it comes to our sales and marketing and advertising campaigns. So that needs to be measurable. It needs to be something that you're watching in your business constantly. And I had mentioned before about how if you're seeing sales and, and leads dry up, then you're going to run into a cash flow crunch, you know, a month or two down the road, depending upon your sales cycle. So that one thing is important, but um, measuring the impact of our advertising campaigns in small business is really, really powerful. And I think we all need to do it. So we're looking for a six to 10 times return on investment for every dollar spent. So that means if we spend a dollar, on advertising that we want to get six to ten dollars back in sales and so that's that's significant and if that advertising method isn't working or that method of promoting yourself is not working then we need to switch it up as small business owners we're very agile so we can switch very quickly unlike a big corporation so measuring and setting a time limit on how long you're going to try something new. Those are super powerful activities that you can do. Yes. And entrepreneurs love their new ideas. Squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. We're always chasing the next squirrel, right? <laughs> Sticking with something and measuring it. I could not agree mm -hmm. more. <laughs> and really, you can only work on two to four initiatives at a time. Anything more than that is just fluff and you're wasting your money because you just don't have the bandwidth to do it. You need to focus in on a chosen method, try it, see if it works for you, do everything you can to make it work. And if it's not, that's when you get to use your agility and move to something else. So on the same page with you, Angie. <laughs> <laughs> so another tip that I have is um, for women specifically, education and professional development expenses. They can be very expensive. And I want us to find it within ourselves to not have the limiting beliefs about we don't have enough to offer or we're not smart enough or we need the next certification. And just do a little fake it till you can make it. Not to say that we shouldn't invest in education and professional development. That's really what's going to drive our business forward. But doing it in a uh, tapered manner so that it builds on itself and that you're able to implement one thing before you move to the next. I often see 
with women business owners, they're signing up for too many improvement processes at the same time, and they mm -hmm. don't fully get the benefit of each. And so I would just ask that we slow down and try to figure out which one in that business priority pyramid is most important for your business right now, and then really work that plan. And if you can link it to whatever that goal or project is, I find, I even suggest that with podcast episodes, if you're focusing on a certain project, have your education be around making that project work better versus, you know, you're starting a podcast and you're also taking a course on social media marketing. And mm -hmm. um, then you just hired someone to redo your website and mm -hmm. picking the yeah. one thing and so sticking with it. In my business and reconciled solutions, we implemented ClickUp this year and it's just kind of project management software. And so we started with documenting our client processes and that was the monthly processes, right? Then we said, oh, well, we need to do the yearly processes too. So then we did the yearly processes. Then we did our coaching processes because we have a lot of, of coaching clients. And then after that was all done, I'm like, well, what we need now that we all know how this system is working and we're using it for client facing type things, we need to use it for internal tasks. So then understanding how um, we could monitor our weekly management accountability meeting through ClickUp was super important and make the visibility there better, um, making the visibility better around internal workflows for training and development. I mean, super powerful, but honestly, it's taking us the entire year. It is literally a year long project. Right, right. And a lot of businesses that kind of jumped out of something else or they transferred careers didn't put that foundation in the right way to begin with. So they're jumping and doing all these other things that they don't even have their basic foundation of their business solid. Mm -hmm. and, and that's really where I think people's attention need to. Yeah. And one other thing I'm going to say with regards to financials is really thinking through that process of, okay, I'm the owner. I've set up goals for myself for the year. And now how does everybody else on my team understand those goals, relate to those goals? How do I communicate those goals with my team? And how does it roll into their day-to-day -day exposure in what they're doing? We think oftentimes, I think oftentimes, because I have a very small business, that everybody knows what I'm thinking. But you know what? They don't always know what I'm thinking. And I need to make it really broadcast because we're all being hit by so many messages every day. And we need to focus in on the things that are important to your business as the business owner. So um, just using our goals and breaking them down across our team and the functions within our team is a super powerful activity. And it's also going to help with employee retention because they feel more engaged and purposeful. That's a great, great thing to wrap up on. <laughs> and so I will put all of Angie's contact details into the show notes so you can go there 
and connect with her outside of the podcast. I always suggest to connect with the guests on their social media platforms or reach out to them and connect so that you remember all about Angie's wisdom. Make sure you grab your Lakeside Conference ticket. At the end of December, the early bird pricing will end. And you also want to make sure that you can specify when you purchase your ticket, you get to specify which breakout session you want. And there are limited spots in each one. So make sure when you register, if this spoke to you and feels like something that you need in your business, make sure that you select her breakout session for your ticket. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Angie. And I look forward to meeting you in person in a couple of months. That sounds wonderful. Thank you, Robin. 